Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of the tastiest morsels from this week's issue. I'm Anne McElvoy and I lead Economist Radio. On our menu this week, why grit matters more than talent, how life coaches are popping up all over Nigeria and what Italy's pride in food reveals about its economic problems. But first, free speech under attack was our cover line this week. In an age when the internet is so widely accessible and smartphones are in nearly every pocket, it can be just a matter of seconds before the world knows your opinion. Nonetheless, curbs on free speech are growing tighter and it's time to speak out, we argued. Free expression is the bedrock of all liberties. Without the contest of ideas, the world is timid and ignorant. Yet free speech is under attack, firstly from governments. Several countries have reimposed Cold War controls or introduced new ones. Secondly, if the controls don't work... The worrying number of non-state actors are enforcing censorship by assassination. Reporters in Mexico who investigate crime or corruption are often murdered and sometimes tortured first. And the third curb is largely self-imposed. The idea has spread that people and groups have a right not to be offended. Since offence is subjective, the power to police it is both vast and arbitrary. So amid the global clampdown, our leader explained why free speech is paramount to preserving liberty. Free speech? is the best offence against bad government. Politicians who err, that is, all of them, should be subjected to unfettered criticism. And healthy debate sorts the good ideas from the bad. Science cannot develop unless old certainties are queried. Taboos are the enemy of understanding. We conceded that there were some important yet rare exemptions. States need to keep some things secret, Free speech does not mean the right to publish nuclear launch codes. Well, thank heavens for that. You can read all of our analysis on free speech, including an in-depth report in our international section, online at economist.com. Escaping the shackling of free speech, we move to Nigeria, where positivity is being unleashed around the country. As an article in our Middle East and Africa section explained, motivational speakers are in demand. In a country where poverty is rife, even the world's most diligent transformers of lemons into lemonade need some help to see a nearly empty glass as half full. Many are disposed to indulging in a little self-help literature. Everyone wants to become the big man, says a taxi driver, as he crams a guide to the corporate Machiavelli and the power of self-discipline into the seat pockets of his old SUV. Machiavellian self-discipline, a potent mix, that one. But for positive attitudes, it's life coaches who are stealing the limelight. You come to me if you want to get stuff done, says the suavely suited Steve Harris from a coffee spot in one of Lagos's smarter corners. 
Over the past few years, a handful of life coaches like him have won semi-celebrity status, often trading on their own rise through the social ranks. And if you fancy a little taster... It's not what you don't have that limits you, he preaches to captivated audiences in a crisp American accent. It's what you have but don't know how to use. Yes, that's what my life coach tells me too. From the inspiring to the inspired, we move to our Europe section, where a piece picked apart Italians' love for pizza, but strictly their pizza. Our Charlemagne columnist explained how the country's pride in genuine food actually reveals rather a lot about its underlying economic problems. Italians are rightly proud of their food, yet dismayed at its bastardization by the rest of the world. And they may have a point. It is America, not Italy, that has turned everything from pizza to cappuccino into profitable global franchises. Domino's and Starbucks are even trying to penetrate Italy. Oh, the irony. But now Naples is fighting to reclaim what it calls real pizza. Last month, hundreds of red-capped pizzaioli gathered to bake the world's longest pizza, 1,853.88 metres of it, snaking along the waterfront with the city's fabled vistas of Mount Vesuvius and Capri. And the reason? It was all in support of Italy's bid to have the art of Neapolitan pizza recognised by UNESCO as a treasure in the world's intangible cultural heritage. But obsession with the past may leave them lagging in the future, our columnist argued. Italy has no global food chains to speak of, or even big retailers such as Francis Carrefour. It may be home to espresso, but the next-door Swiss invented Nespresso. Ah, oh, but they don't have the Trevi Fountain. Food for thought there. And on we flip to our business section, where we tackle a slightly more niche aspect of global fame. Digital celebrities who rose to prominence through social media platforms aren't yet renowned beyond their teenage fan bases. But, as an article explained, they're trying to break into the mainstream. Over the past decade, each new social media platform has given rise to a subculture of celebrities, worshipped by teenagers and children, but largely unknown to anyone else. Not to say that this situation isn't lucrative. These stars earn most of their money through branded content deals with large companies. The biggest names can earn over $100,000 for a single campaign. So some of them have created a feature film to try to branch out to the big screen. And the idea? Put some of the biggest stars of YouTube, Vine, Snapchat, Facebook and Instagram on a plane to Australia without internet access. Without internet access. Can you imagine the horror? But can the social stars transform their fans' fickle adulation into longer-lasting careers? The videos these fledgling personalities have thrived on until now, snippets as short as six and a half seconds, the maximum on Vine, appeal to the adolescent sensibilities of their fans. And people don't stay young forever. But even against the odds, there's no harm in trying. Quite the opposite, in fact. If you heed the advice of a novel reviewed in our books and arts section this week, explaining that character matters perhaps more than intelligence, the book argues that never giving up is a worthwhile goal. Angela Duckworth, a professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, believes that talent is overrated. More important, she suggests, is a blend of persistence and passion, or... Grit. She even quantifies the extent of that importance. Talent counts, but effort counts twice, insists Miss Duckworth in the first and best part of her book. Much of her work is based on her aptly named grit scale, 
a questionnaire which asks people how much they agree with such statements as, I am diligent, I never give up. Her book slots neatly into a broader trend about what it is that people value. Over the past two decades, more and more scholars have analysed traits like curiosity and self-control. Such faculties are at least as important as raw cognitive ability to grades and pay, they say. So if you're a curious person, why not read more about the book in this week's issue? In our finance section, we look at a group of businesses struggling to get off the ground, but you can't say they aren't trying. As an article explained, in developing countries, big and tiny firms seem to find it easier to get loans, while medium-sized ones are stuck languishing in the middle. Plenty of outfits lend to very poor people hoping to start a business. But such microcredit is typically minute, fleeting and expensive. And banks don't seem to want to help the medium-fry firms. It takes time for customers to arrive or crops to grow. Far safer, many banks conclude, to lend to established clients or to the government. But that leaves a gap in the middle for a specific type of loan provider. These specialist lenders are nimble and often get a leg up from development agencies and philanthropists. But most of them are relatively small. If lending to SMEs is really to grow, banks will have to become more enthusiastic. Our science section explores one area where one can be a little too enthusiastic, striving to get that good suntan. When summer finally comes around, many run to the beach and throw precaution to the wind, letting the sun do its damage. Yet a new device can help by telling us when to apply the next coat of sun cream and still get that good bronzing. Sun cream is a fickle friend. It protects against burn-inducing ultraviolet or UV light, but only for a period. And the first most people know of when that period is up is the sickening sensation that their skin is starting to catch fire. So researchers have devised a new solution. A stick-on UV sensor that can be tuned to give warning when a new slap of protection would be advisable. And with the new device, it's possible to detect. For any combination of skin tone and sun cream protection factor, from 10 to 50, what strength of filter is required to cause a particular colour change to happen sufficiently in advance of a burn beginning to form to provide useful warning? In other words, when to slap another layer on or just retreat for an ice cream. I'm Anne McElvoy and that was our tasting menu. Do send us your feedback via email radio at economist.com or on Twitter at Economist Radio. In London, this is The Economist. Economist.